0: Good morning, Doxa. Today we will be reading James 5, verses 13 through 20. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call upon the elders of the church and pray on him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be let him know that whoever brings, us, brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. My name is Ronnie. I am one of the pastors here at Doxa. I lead our college ministry, The Salt Company, which is starting up here in a couple weeks. College students, is there anybody here to make a noise? There's a couple of us. Be praying for us. It's going to be a wild uh, semester with just all the changes that we're all experiencing, but particularly The university, and and on that note, like I was telling my wife last week, I have both loved getting back together to be in person gathering like this, and just felt like this, just like kind of hitting hitting the ceiling, not totally satisfied experience on Sunday because there's so many of us that are actually not um, in the room, not able to be in the room yet, and even those that are in the room, if you know me, I like to kind of get. Up up close with people. I'm a big like physical touch guy. If I'm talking to you, I've got like my hand on your shoulder. And I, and since we can't do that, there's just been just kind of this like this longing and this angst for the day where, where we're like actually all in the room. The whole family is together physically in one place and we can just worship the Lord together. And so who knows when that day is gonna come, but I just wanna throw my heart out there and say like that, like I, I feel that if any of you are, are feeling that. But until then. One of the things that I've been doing that I'm sure a lot of you are doing is just every day, every week, kind of following the news and just looking to the, the different experts and all these different fields of like, how sh- like what's, what's new this week? How do we need to respond? What do I need to do? I, I've tended to listen to just some different, even like news podcasts to like have some experts tell me like what's going on with COVID, like how can my, me and my family be safe and kind of all those things, looking to them for, for guidance on you know, issues of public safety. And as we've been studying James, he's just been so practical about the things of this life. And this week with this text, I almost feel like this is a text of if, if James, you know, you got your, your earbuds in and you're listening to the New York Times podcast or whatever, and they're giving you your COVID update. They actually bring this guy, the Apostle James, on the podcast to give us his perspective this week. I feel like that's a little bit of just like the tone and the types of things that he's, he's saying, and so if you imagine that you're, you're listening and all of a sudden it's not like a doctor, but it's, it's James the Apostle, what do you think that he would actually say to us in this moment? And I think the first thing that he would do is I think that he would say, guys, this is really hard. This is really hard. Sickness and, and death and disease and suffering, like few things in the world like sickness and disease have, have wreaked so much havoc on us throughout history. And so I think he would say that this is really hard. I think, he would, I think he would weep, I think he would empathize with us and he would, there would be a softness to him towards the situation. But I do think in the next breath, James might say something like this. I think he might get a little bolder and he might say, but, but also the safety measures that we're taking to protect our physical bodies, which we need to take, the safety measures we're taking to protect our physical bodies can put our souls in danger. We need to make sure that this attitude of caution that, again, we do need to have doesn't actually make us timid and cautious towards God and towards each other. That being vulnerable to a virus is a real threat, but failing to be vulnerable with God and with one another is actually an even greater threat. Now, just from reading the text this week, that was kind of like my translation of some things that I think like, are implied by what he's saying, but let's actually just look at it again together and read his words directly, okay? So look back with me at, at James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20, and I just want you to pay attention again as I read it to listen to James's pastoral concern that we would be healed. He cares a ton about people. He cares a ton about suffering. He knows pain. He cares about safety, but he's not just concerned with safety. He's concerned with this other word, salvation. This total vision of healing that the Bible has, physical, social, relational, spiritual. So pay attention to his concern, but also pay attention to his emphasis on how we are to go to God in prayer and to one another in community. Okay, so James Chapter 5, look again at verse 13. He starts off and he says this, Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So notice again, He's just addressed physical, relational, and spiritual health, kind of all in one sentence. And he's going to do this throughout. Like they're all kind of intermingled together, all in a couple sentences. James, as he has his concern for us, he doesn't reduce us to just physical or just spiritual. He's talking about healing for the total person. So then he says, therefore, because of this, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. This is like the main command of this text. If you want to be healed, if healing is what you want, then open yourselves up to God and to one another. Be vulnerable in that way, and then healing will come. It's kind of counterintuitive, right? He says, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. And then What did he do? He prayed again. And heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. And so now as he closes out the book, just notice his emphasis on community. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. This is a text that if we read it, it can lead us through the pandemic. And so what I have today really is just a a very simple and in some ways basic message to close out our time in James and it's just this simple plea. Okay, my simple plea for us from the book of James here is that in a time of physical distance, we need to fight for spiritual and relational closeness. Okay, in a time where physical distance is necessary, we need to fight maybe harder than ever for spiritual and relational closeness. If we really wanna be safe, We need to draw near to God, as James says, and we need to draw near to each other. And and I know, again, that this, this is kind of Christianity 101 in some ways, right, like be close to God and be close to people. But as I've studied this text this week, I've realized more and more just how much more of God there is, how much more of his character there is to be known, how much more of him there is to be experienced, and how much more of one another we're leaving on the table if we fail to approach each other with boldness like James is talking about. So let's start with just this first part. We must draw near to God. We must draw near to God. Question for you, how close to God are you right now? Sometimes it's hard to like answer that question, so I even just want to give you a little space to think about it. Like, how close would you say you are to God right now? Verse thirteen, he says, "Is any among you suffering?" And then close behind, "Let him pray." Is anyone among you cheerful? Let him sing praise. This is James's kind of shorthand way of saying that, like, in all of life's circumstances. Don't let God be too far behind your experience. Let him be right there with you. He wants to be right there with you. And it's not always like something you actually feel emotionally. But if you've been walking with Jesus for any length of time, you, you kind of know how to answer this question of like how, how close do you feel to God? How present is he with you in your suffering? Again, not how lack, like much pain has he taken away, but how present do you feel him in your suffering? And on the flip side, how aware of him are you in your rejoicing if you're kind of experiencing blessing and, and gifts coming your way from God? And in our world, the majority of people, they give no reference to God in the moments of their life. And I know for me in this pandemic, I've actually kind of just experienced the full range. I've experienced times where I've felt more focused and attentive on God because of the, the slowness of these times, but I've also felt more distracted and distant. But wherever you are at today, I have good news and bad news for you from this text. Okay, and, and the good news is no matter how you're feeling, no matter where you're at, no matter if you walked in here and you don't even know God today or you're listening online, God is inviting you to draw near to him. That is the good news. That's what he wants. No matter what you feel, this, is, this text is totally an invitation from God and from James. But the bad news is God wants to get so close to you that it actually might make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. That's the bad news. Now, again, if any of you know me, this is kind of like me. Like, I, I want to I get close to you, and it might make you feel a little uncomfortable about how, how close I might talk to you or how I might put my hand on your shoulder. And in the same way, the way that James just talks about God in this text, the way that he continually keeps saying, no matter what you're going through, pray. God wants you to draw near to him. He's inviting us all to draw near to him. So again, verse 14, is anyone sick? That's physical sickness. Let him call for the elders of the church. This is like relational component to physical healing, getting people around us and let them pray over him. So now there's a spiritual component to physical healing, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And so again, he's kind of mingling them all together. So now we see this oil, this actual physical substance common grace from God being used to physically heal someone, just like medicine today, right? And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So now we see a dimension of spiritual healing. If he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. And so as I read this, as I hear God's invitation to draw near to him, I love James's kind of holistic view on health, the physical, the relational, the spiritual, and I love his call to pray for healing. I love it. But the thing that I get a little uncomfortable with is just how certain he is about it. The language that he uses about healing here in verse 15, it, it sounds almost like he's guaranteeing to us that if we just pray or if we just pray with enough faith that we will be healed. Did you see that in verse 15? It says, and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. So that's just a question we have to ask and that's, that's like the God drawing me in and ma- making me feel uncomfortable. Is he saying that God will always answer our prayers for physical healing if we have enough faith? And just to relieve that tension really quick, the answer is no, okay? The answer from the Bible is no. And we actually see throughout scripture and our own experience time and time again, people of great faith that pray to God for things like physical healing and it doesn't happen. I mean, I think one of the most obvious and, and notable ones is Jesus himself. No one was closer to God than Jesus. But in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross, experiencing deep physical, emotional, spiritual torment, literally sweating out drops of blood, knowing what he's about to do to go to the cross, he prays, Father, if there's another way that this can happen, would you make this cup pass for me? In the agony that Jesus was in, there has never been a like, stronger prayer of faith than that, but what was God's answer? It was silence, right? It was no, and so we have to conclude from, from scripture, and there's so many other examples, we could look at the Apostle Paul, that this passage cannot be saying that if we just muster up enough faith, if we are like the type of person that has great faith, that we can somehow make God heal us, and we also know this painfully, from our own experience so what is it like what is it saying and I think one of the keys is just to quickly even understand what faith is it's such a word that can get thrown around and we kind of lose track of what it means but what faith is guys is faith is not about us getting control over God faith is about us trusting that God is in control It's about trusting in the character of God. It's not about our character primarily. It's like the empty hands of our life just grabbing onto the character of God. And the prayer of faith that James is talking about here is actually like a specific spiritual gift. The Apostle Paul on 1 Corinthians, he talks about how we should desire God to give us these spiritual gifts. And what the prayer of faith is here is a specific spiritual gift that in this context, the elders have been given where they've actually been given an assurance and a certainty that this particular person is gonna be healed, and they have drawn near to God to ask him for it. They've gotten assurance from from him, they've listened to him, and they've prayed in accordance with that. That's what the prayer of faith is here. It's It's a situational gift that God gave them, a gift of clarity, a gift of assurance that God can give people who seek him and listen to his voice. Okay, so the key distinction here is that it's a gift, not a guarantee. But with any gift, you have to ask. And, and that, again, that's what James is doing. He's saying, draw near to God. Let, pray, call the elders, get together, ask, because God can do this. It is possible. There's no promise in this life for physical healing, but it is possible for God to do this, but you have to ask. You have to draw Near, It is in God's character to do something like this. He doesn't seem to do it in every situation. We don't always know why, but he can, and he will, so, so ask. But now again, this seems uncomfortable to me. It feels, I wrote on here, impossible to me, and I'm the pastor, right? Like this. this is what it feels like. I even read the passage, and for me, like I'm one of the elders here, and I'm like, somebody could text me this week and say, hey, you just talked about this verse. Come here and, and pray for me. And my, my actual feeling is, oh crap, what if I, what if I like, can't do it? What if I can't pull it off? What if, I'm not the, what if I don't have enough faith? It makes me feel uncomfortable, this thing that James is inviting me to do. But I do think what James would say to me is this. I think he would say, you have not yet gone deep enough with God Or long enough with God to have experienced this verse. It is possible, you just haven't sought it. Again, I'm not guaranteeing you anything, but I'm saying this is a gift. This prayer of faith that you can seek God for, it's possible. You just have to pursue him. Again, not a guarantee, but a gift. And so for me, as I was studying, a text that kind of felt a little bit like a brick wall of just like there it is, verse 15, can we just skip over it, has actually turned into more of an open door for me. An open door to what I didn't really know was possible. And again, not that I could become some type of a a healer that can control God, but that I could become a man of prayer, a person of prayer that believes in the character of God and asks him to do great things and actually starts to get to see things like this happen in my life and around me. What James 5 is saying is that there's more to God than I'm experiencing but the question is, do I even want it? The question for us is, do we even even want this? And then the second question is, how do we pursue it? How do we go deeper with God? How do we take this invitation from James? And he says, well, look at this guy, Elijah. Okay, Look at Elijah in the Old Testament, verse 16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. So Elijah, fascinating guy to study. We don't have a ton of time, but in short, he's this prophet from the Old Testament who basically stands up against the spiritual corruption of his day as a man of prayer, and a man of action for God. You can read his story in 1 Kings 17 through 19. But James's point here, and the reason that he, he pulls us to him, he says, hey, Elijah was this great man, but he was actually a man with a nature just like ours. He was a man with a nature just like ours, with struggles just like us, but he walked with God and he prayed with a power that most of us have not experienced. So he's saying, Elijah, like, you're not Elijah, but you actually... You could be. You know the same God that he knew. You could see God do the same things that he saw him do. And so the, the picture that's starting to develop from James here is he's inviting us. Is not, He's not giving us a mountain to climb that we have to become skilled enough at, right? He's not giving us a mountain that we have to kind of scale the heights to get to and become these awesome people of faith, right? He's giving us something more of like, like an ocean to wade out into, that ocean is God and his character and his power. And now how many of you, when it comes to like getting into a lake or an ocean, you're the type of person that just like, you you, you know it's going to be cold, but you know you want it. And so you you run out and you sprint and you just like dive and go all the right way right in, like right away. You just get it over with. Who, who is like that here? Person that just dives right in. It's probably like the minority of, of the population. Who, who are the people that you kind of like get just like into the water and then you slowly inch your way out and you start to just feel like the uncomfortableness of it and then it gets to like your waist and then your belly button and you're just going like ever so slowly just like in excruciating pain. Who's more of that person? It seems to be a lot of us, right? The thing that's going on in that situation is like you wouldn't be at the beach if you didn't want to get in the water, right? But that thing that you want, that place that you want to go, there's like, it's uncomfortable. You have to adjust to it. Now, for us as, as Christians, God is like this vast ocean. His, his character is vast. He's like understandable, but there's always so much more of him that we can know. And he's inviting us to go out and experience him and experience all that he has for us. But so many of us as Christians are just ankle deep. We just stay at the shore. We're like in the water and we say that we want more, but, we're, but because it's uncomfortable to pursue God. It's uncomfortable to give more of ourselves over to him. We don't wanna like walk out further into the water, but that's what James is, is saying here. That's what it feels like he's saying to me. He's saying there's more. And it's not about you, like it's not about your skill. Again, I'm not giving you a mountain to climb. All this takes is courage and desire. Just to have the courage to walk out further into the water. It takes no skill to take one foot in front of the other. It takes no skill to want to just know God and to trust him. That's what that's like such a key distinction about faith that we have to understand, even from this text, is it's not about us. It's about him. It's not about our strength or our ability. It's about grabbing on to him. It's not about skill. It's about courage and desire. And so Looking at Elijah, let's even just talk about, okay, if, if we want to take those steps into the water, how do we actually go deeper with God? And here's just a few things from his life. The first thing that Elijah did that we need to do is we need to slow down and listen to God. We need to slow down and listen to him. If you read his story, all of Elijah's activity was preceded by quietness with God. God. He found a way to distance himself from the idols and distractions of his days so that he could listen to God's voice and discern his will. And we can too. So in your life, like what would it look like for you just in our, in our culture that we live in to regularly unplug from it and seek to hear from God, to get away from the noise, to find times of quiet where you can try to hear God's voice through the Bible, through prayer. I know for me, like the two quietest times of the day are right when I wake up and right before I go to bed. And I try to just like find spaces, just little spaces in those times where I can be quiet with God at the beginning of my day and at the end of my day. We talk about this a lot at Doxa, but what would it look like for like the main input, the main voice in your life to actually be God and his word through the Bible rather than all the other noise and voices that we can hear? If you wanna go deep with God, you gotta slow down and actually listen to him. Again, read Elijah's story. It's crazy. He's just constantly hearing from God wherever he goes. God is just talking to him. The second thing is we need to give up control to him. Slow down and listen to him, but then also give up control to God. Elijah, he stood against the status quo of his day and he aligned himself with God's purposes. And James, he points out this whole thing where Elijah prays for it to not rain for three years and. The crazy thing when you read it is that that was not like Elijah's idea. Again, as, as this powerful man of prayer, it's not as if Elijah was like, I just don't want it to rain for three years and because I have so much faith, I'm gonna make God do that for me. No, Elijah had given up control of his life to God. He had sought to align himself with God's promises and God's purposes. And God told him, Elijah, Elijah, Israel has like gone against me and I need to actually do this, this thing of judgment where there's gonna be a drought and I need you to ask me for that. It was not Elijah's idea. He had given up control of his life to God. And so, a question for us, how much of our prayer life is aligned with God's purposes and with God's promises? How much of your prayer life is like that? And then the last thing from Elijah that we learned is we need to be honest and weak with God honest and weak with God and again it's so surprising and in, in a text that initially makes you feel like I need to become this strong person of faith the example of Elijah actually reminds us that a strong person of faith is really a weak and humble and broken person that simply just trusts God and abandons himself to God If you read his story you see Elijah he stands up to corrupt kings And prophets, he prays for a drought, he raises a widow's son to life, but then he gets persecuted for all of it and he falls into a deep fear and a deep depression. But the key about his life is he keeps praying through it all. He has moments of great triumph where he sees God like he calls fire down from heaven to destroy the enemies of God. And then he has deep moments down in the valley of depression. And, and he literally says, God, I just want you to take my life from me. He's not, he's not feeling emotionally very good in that moment, but he's still praying. He's honestly bringing before God what is in him, he's walking closely with God. And this is the example that James gives us. This is the invitation for us to draw near to God, to be like Elijah. But for me, he still seems like a little bit out of my league, right? He's like in the Old Testament, he does have like these crazy stories that I'm just like, I don't think that's ever gonna happen in my life, but James is saying, hey, he's got a nature just like yours. Like, here's the example I'm giving you of drawing near to God. Then as I was reading it, it hit me, as I was thinking about this this, uh, prayer that he prayed for it to not rain that James references, what if I told you that you and I as Christians have actually experienced a power before that was greater than what he experienced? What if I told you that each of us that are followers of Jesus, we've actually all prayed a prayer before that was more powerful than Elijah's prayer to hold back the rain? What if I told you you have experienced in your life a greater miracle than God holding back the rain for three years like with Elijah? Because if you're a Christian, And you've asked God to forgive you for your sins. You haven't asked God to hold back rain. You've asked him to hold back his wrath on your sin. And you haven't asked him three years later to pour out rain on the earth. You've asked him to, instead of wrath, give you grace and love and mercy poured out on your life. And get this, he listened to you. He listened to that prayer. And I don't know what that prayer was like for you. I think if you're anything like me, it, it might have felt pretty unremarkable. You might not even be able to pinpoint it, but what I'm saying to you is if you're a Christian in this room, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you would say, yeah, my, my sins are forgiven because of what Jesus did, not because of what I did, that is a greater miracle than anything Elijah saw or experienced. It is a greater miracle that the wrath of God that your sin deserved was averted from you to Jesus on the cross and that instead you got grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. James says in verse 15 that the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The Bible's teaching on righteousness for us is not about us becoming good enough but trusting in the one who was being clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. So we are the righteous person. Like Christian right now, verse 15, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. You are that person already because of Jesus. So you have that power. And so from one perspective, verse 15 actually is a guarantee for Christians because Jesus rose from the dead. Look at it, the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. There's a sense in which this is a possibility in this life but really a promise for the next life no matter what. It is a guarantee. So you might be sick right now physically. You might know somebody who's sick right now physically and the truth from the Bible, the truth from this text is that God can heal that person physically. And In a lot of cases he will if we will ask him but even if he doesn't in the next life they will be raised up it's like Jesus was rose from the dead. That is, a, that is a promise. Total healing, mind, body, soul, spirit is coming for all people that put their trust in Jesus. Every night when I put my, my three-year-old Jackson to bed, um, there's, a, there's just like a, a group of like question and answer. It's called like a catechism that I've been just slowly working him through. We're like three questions out of 50 in and we sing songs about it. And the, the first one and really my, my favorite one is, the question says this, what is our only hope in life and death? What, I, what is it? Like what is our only hope in life and death? So I talked to my, my three-year-old Jack about that. When I asked him the question before bed and he responds back to me, he says that we are not our own, but we belong to God. The full answer, not the kid's version, is we belong body and soul. To God our only hope in this life is not that we're in control not that we are these strong people of faith not that we are these righteous people in like the climbing the mountain sense our only hope is not us Our only hope is actually that we are not our own, that we're not in charge of our own life, that we're not in charge of our own health, that we're not in charge of our own destiny, but that we belong to God. Our only hope is that our Father in heaven has adopted us, that Jesus has bought us with his blood, that we belong to him, that he holds our life in his hands. And that's power. That's the power that James is talking about in this passage. That's the power that Elijah had, not not the power of his own awesomeness, but the power of his his honesty and his vulnerability to put his life in the hands of God. So doxa, now is the time to be cautious in like certain ways physically with social distancing and, and masks and all this stuff, but it is not the time to be cautious towards God. It's the time to be bold towards God. Whatever circumstances we're in, James is saying, go to God. Let, let, let us pray. What would it look like for you to just take a couple more steps out into the ocean of his character and the possibilities of what he could do in your life, what he could do through your prayers? What if this was a time where you didn't stay kind of stagnant, just standing ankle deep, getting, getting distracted or even drifting away from him? But what if you took steps out into that ocean? It doesn't take any skill, just desire, Courage. It's un- totally uncomfortable. It's, it's uncomfortable. This text makes me uncomfortable to think that I could be in situations where I am believing and believing for God to do something that I'm just not sure that he's going to do but that I know that he can. But that's what James is calling us into. Draw near to God. And then right below drawing near to God, he says, draw near to each other. There's an urgency for drawing near to each other. And so this one is, is, is shorter because it's mostly about prayer, but I just wanna pause and like pull out of the whirlwind of life right now a little bit and, and give you some space for some reflection from this text. Because how would you describe your relationships with people right now? And, and with Christians, with, within the church, and maybe you're here and you don't know anybody yet. How would you describe the depth of your relationships? Because one thing that's true from the Bible is that we are meant to bear one another's burdens. One of the just realities of being the church is that we, we carry the load for each other. And so my question for you is, who's bearing your burdens right now in this season and whose burdens are you carrying? Verse 14 says, Is anyone sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The physical sickness of this person attracted the community around them. And again, I know we gotta find ways to do that responsibly and safely, but we just cannot let people in our family suffer in this situation they can't struggle alone it takes creativity technology the outdoors all these different things but more than anything I just think it takes intentionality we know this right like love just finds a way it finds a way so maybe there's a key relationship in your life that just in this moment before God you need to recommit yourself to somebody's got a burden that you can help carry and you're going to have to find ways to do it creatively but can you do it intentionally Another thing from the text that is just all over the Bible is that Christians were meant to confess our sins to one another. And so who are you doing that with? Even in this text, it's really about reconciliation. Forgive one another, right? Confess your sins and seek forgiveness. Verse 16, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Because again, James, he looks at the situation, he says, hey, sin is a disease that infects 100% of the population, kills 100% of the population. Sin is like the disease underneath every other disease. So we need to be vigilant in killing it. And again, as Christians, we are like already fully forgiven, but we're not yet fully healed from the effects of sin in our life. And so we need each other. We need to be active in confessing and repenting of our sin, killing our sin. Is there someone in your life that you're, actively doing this with and if that makes you a little uncomfortable if that makes you a little fearful I can I can totally empathize with that I can feel that but a, a liberating truth for me that I realized years ago just about the church and its relation to sin is this the church is the most dangerous place in the world for sin but the safest place in the world for sinners It's a dangerous place to be for sin because we are all about getting rid of our sin and killing our sin and walking in freedom and the forgiveness that Jesus offers. But it's such a safe place for sinners that just want to be honest and broken and weak and walk with one another and and apply just the fresh healing of the gospel to our lives. And so here's the last question for us as we really close out even, even just the book of James. We need to bring each other back to Jesus Look at verses 19 and 20. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. As I thought about it this week, I do think, I think this is like the story of just a lot of people right now, right? A lot of us. Maybe it's you sitting here. Maybe you. there is a distance that has been created between you and the community of faith, even as you sit here in this room, or you and, and Jesus himself. Maybe you're listening online and that's you. Maybe it's somebody that, that somebody in here knows. They have wandered away from the truth. And the call from James, my call to you as one of your pastors is, is to come back. We, we, want, we want you back. If you're, if you're listening, if you're in this room and you feel like you've, you've strayed too far. You've messed up your life too much with sin. Just kind of during these crazy times we've been walking through. The call from this text is come back. Back. The invitation from God is come back. The invitation from people is come back to Jesus and to his church. Because as one of your pastors, I am concerned about physical safety in this time, but I'm more concerned about salvation and the healing of our souls and our community. And it really might be dangerous for you to be near people physically still in, in some instances, but it is more dangerous to grow distant spiritually and relationally. We need God and we need each other. This is, this is what James is saying. And so as we exit this book and we go on to the next, you know, these next couple months, our mindset could be to just kind of survive and hope things go back to normal. But, but if we do that, we may find ourselves slowly being pulled away from God and drifting away from one another. The physical distance of COVID that it, it kind of just creates could become a spiritual and a relational Distance And that actually will make us sicker as, as like whole people. Or we could fight for closeness. We could fight for closeness. And this could actually bring us together closer than ever before. We could actually become healthier as total people because of this. And why, why not shoot for that outcome? So to go back to James 1 that we started this thing with, like temp, the temptation in this time is to grow distant, but the test is an opportunity for us to grow closer. He says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So why don't you join me in, in praying that the year 2020, this crazy year that we've been walking through together, could actually turn out to be the year that that this Doxa Church family learns. How to truly be a family together, how to be the family of God. Let's pray. Father, we we look at this uh, text of scripture from James and we thank you for wanting to be near to us. God, we thank you that in, in the in that equation, it is it is not us who needs to have it together but it's us that needs to just open up our our empty hands of faith and reach out for you lord that you're the strong one it's our job to be weak and vulnerable and to reach out and to receive so we want to do that this morning even as we we take communion in a moment lord our hands are open our lives are open move us towards you and move us towards each other god we want healing In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.